Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of The Articulate Fly. On this episode, guide and outdoor writer Matt Sapinski returns to the show. Matt updates us on his fishing adventures in Michigan and shares his newest endeavor, Hallowed Waters Journal. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. But before we get to the interview, just a couple of housekeeping items. If you like the podcast, please tell a friend and please subscribe and leave us a rating and review in the podcatcher of your choice. It really helps us out. And a shout out to this episode's sponsor. This episode's sponsored by our friends at Norvice. Their motto is, tie better flies faster. And they produce the only vice that truly spins. If you tie articulated patterns, you owe it to yourself to check out their new shank jaws. Their first production run sold out in minutes, but Tim and Tyler have reloaded. To check out the new jaws and Norvice's other great products, head over to www.nor-vice.com today. Now, on to the interview. Well, Matt, welcome back to the Articulate Fly. Uh, thanks for having me, Marvin. Uh, it's always good to talk to my good Southern brother. Uh, there you go. And, you know, just curious, been talking to folks, how's your, uh, 2021 guide seat season treating you? Uh, it's treating me always good. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing the magazine right now, Hollowed Waters. So, uh, my guiding is, um, you know, I'm so busy, over busy. So I'm trying to do two, three jobs at one time. And, uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's really nice because a lot of my clients now are clients that I've had for a long time since I've been guiding for a while, and uh, so I couldn't be busier and couldn't be happier. Yeah, uh, well, there you go. And of course, you know, in the fly fishing world, uh, you know, summers are always challenging. But it seems like this year we got less water and warmer temperatures. You know, what are you seeing up in Michigan? Yeah, so we went from uh, we went from the worst drought in probably 150 years. I guess record keeping drought, as they say, and uh, and then like last week, um, uh, Noah showed up and he gave me a signal to start building an ark, and uh, it started raining, and I knew it. Like we just we go from extremes, uh, typical climate change weather. You know, we go from droughts to, to floods, floods, droughts, heat waves to cold waves. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's just like tonight we're going to go down to fifty degrees. A couple of days ago it was ninety two degrees, so. There is no normal, and what's really interesting today is, you know, everybody goes, well, what is it like normally in July? Oh, dude, there is no more normal. So just FYI, there isn't any more normal. So if anybody calls me one more time and asks me about normal, I'll tell them I'm not normal, so how the hell could the weather be normal, you know? So, uh, yeah, it's kind of tough. It's going to be kind of a big, big curveball for a lot of outfitters, I think. Uh, You know, I know out west, the heat. Um, is devastating those people out there. I know. Um, I know that they've had tons of droughts in, in, in Montana and all over. Um, it's going to be a whole new era, and it's not going to be the same era that we're used to. So, we better start embracing climate change, and we better start. I know climate change is a dirty word down where, you, where you're from, but um, it, it's true. And I used to be one of those guys that doubted climate change. Now uh, you can call me a tree hugger or whatever, you know, whale, uh, whale saver. But uh, when you work outside 365 days a year and then you fish outside and see the changes that I've seen in the last 10 years, uh, it's pretty amazing. And, and there's just no, there's no political slant to this. So it's, um, it's pretty crazy. And there's no more normal. We're, we're seeing a lot of fluctuations, our, especially our migratory fish. Our run timing is all over the place. So, you know, the migratories are going to probably be hit the hardest because, you know, they're, they're, they're so temperature dependent and uh, diurnal time periods of sunlight, um, pineal gland development, um, egg sperm development in the bodies. Everything is going to be really interesting. And when you're seeing droughts in Iceland, you're seeing heat waves in Iceland and Scotland and um, the volatility is just absolutely crazy. Yeah, and I would imagine, too, that really cool weather really complicates these hatches that you're so famous for in the upper Midwest. Yeah, it's, so what's really crazy is that we lost um, this river since I've been um, guiding on it for 27 years. Uh, we've had the strongest gray drake hatch. I named my operation for it. Um, the gray drake is a Sith winner. It's mayfly. <clears throat> it's about a size 10. And... Um, 
it's like sort of like a brown drake, green drake, very similar to it. Um, and it's this area, the Pierre Marquette, the White, White River Spring Creek, the, the Muskegon, the Rogue, has probably the heaviest gray drake hat probably in the world, to be honest with you. I talked to, talked to a couple of entomologists. And the only other places that have them that deep are uh, specific uh, are like the Baltic states, uh, the, along the Baltic Sea, the rivers there, uh, Norwegian, Swedish rivers. Um, they like wooded wooded areas, a lot of moisture in the soil, um, a lot of a lot of trees and sandy uh, structure on the banks. So this year we last year we had probably the most incredible uh, <clears throat> massive great drake um, hatches that lasted for four weeks. So if you've ever seen the green drake hatch, like on Penn's uh, Creek at Pope Patty, for instance, um, you take that that times about a thousand. And that's what we have with the gray drakes, and um, and they're they're consistent every night for every night and morning for four four weeks, five weeks almost to the point where the water turns to sawdust and you just can't fish for like weeks on end because there's too many mayflies. This year we lost them completely, so I didn't even see one gray drake this whole year, not even one. Where normally our whole lodge is covered with them. There was not one because what happened, the drought was so specific. I wrote a blog in my um, Hollowed Waters page, the magazine journal page. I have a blog called The Ebb and Flow, which pretty much sums up what the, what the weather's been doing to us. But um, So the bank dried up completely 10, 15 feet out from the, from the bank. And uh, the great, great Cephalonaurus nymphs migrate towards the bank two, two three months before they hatch. And they migrated uh, at normal time, and then the river dried up, and it killed all the nymphs. So there was no hatch whatsoever, like just minuscule, like in small pockets. So this is what's going on now. I mean, it's it's like, you know, I heard reports from the Delaware. The hatches were absolutely disgusting. They were terrible. Um, a lot of what, what we've had built up for 100, 2, 3, 4, 500 years of millennia are going to be changing. And um, uh, it, it is what it is. So it's going to be adjustment and trying to protect wild trout as much as we can, wild, wild salmon and steelhead. And um, it's going to be a battle going forward. Yeah, and that's even before we talk about, you know, how COVID impacted your operations at Gray Jake Lodge. Yeah, well, same thing. <clears throat> we were shut down by, by law for like over two, two to three months. And then, um, you know, COVID hasn't gone away. I mean, this new Delta variant is there. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen this winter. Are we going to go back to the, to the dark plague days again? And um, it's, uh, it's crazy. So yeah, between that climate change, um, I keep looking at my shotgun case every day and it's looking more tempting. Uh, But uh, thank God, uh, Jesus got my back, so brother, I'm okay. <laughs> well, there you go. And, and you know, one of the things because I know you were shut down, and I know you're still you're refitting your lodge now. And so, when folks come to fish with you, they can't stay with you. But one of the things you did, kind of in your kind of COVID downtime, was you launched Hallowed Waters Journal, and uh, was really curious about you know where did you get the idea for the magazine? So I've been a magazine junkie probably since I was. Oh God, 11, 12 years old when I, um, I used to bag groceries. I used to, I used to find, I used to go to paper drive. So going to a Catholic school, um, you always had paper drive and there was always the guy that pulled up, um, with the big, you know, the, you targeted your clients when they pulled up by all oh, that guy has a lot of playboy and hustler magazine. That guy has a lot of shooting magazines. That guy has a lot of fishing magazines. So there's one guy that always pulled up and you always had boxes of fishing magazines. And, um, uh, I used to target target him, and, and most of them were like Field and Stream and Outdoor Life, which were the standards. But then he had like old issues back to like the seventies of Fly Fisherman magazine, and and I I grew up reading those magazines, and they were like you know those were my bibles. And uh, when I got my first article published back in geez, when was it eighty eight I think in Fly Fisherman about it was called Big Limestone Trout. Um, I met a guy named Nick Lyons. I'm sure people have heard of his name. Um, and he had a company, Lyons 
uh, Press, which published all the major books on the market. And I met him at a uh, trade show. I was actually, I was the food and beverage director at the Sheridan Washington Hotel in Washington, D.C. And he was there for a book convention. And, um, and I was, I was writing this article like forever and ever and ever because I was infatuated with writing and I already got published right out of college in, in National Geographic magazine, believe it or not. I had a little small essay in there and I had a, I had an act for writing. I really enjoyed it. Um, and I had this article that I wanted to get published in a fight magazine so I could be a quote celebrity fly fisherman. And, um, and I met him at the show and I saw that he had a big suite up in the, up in the towers of the hotel, and I came up to his room with a with a uh, tray, uh, a, a, a room service cart with white linen and, and flowers, and Dom Perignon and shrimp and lobster and crab on the shell and on the ice and all kinds of smoked salmon and <laughs> caviar. And uh, of course, I could get whatever I wanted out of the kitchen, being in a food and beverage director. And um, knocked on his door, and I said, "Mr. Lyons, this is on behalf of." Uh, the hotel, welcome to the hotel. He's like, wait, 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 what's going on here? I says, oh, by the way, I just happen to have this manuscript in my pants here in my back pocket. Uh, can you take a look at it, please, and give me some advice? Um, I'd love to get it published. So he was so kind, and he um, he sort of took me under his belt, and he edited this thing so much. And this is before the days of the computer and, and you know all that stuff and document. And um, so he, he sent it back to me the first time, and it looked like, somebody just murdered a chicken and there was just blood all over it from all his red ink. And I was like, Oh my God, should I shoot myself now? And, um, but he said, you got, you got enough here for a book and, and at least four or five articles. So we whittled it down. He submitted it to John Randolph then it, at Fly Fisherman. And I got my first check in the mail for, geez, what was it back then? 400 bucks back then. It was like, Whoa, man, $400. And I got published in a couple issues later. And, um, and then he said, you're going to be, you're going to be a great writer and just keep doing it because you like it. And I just kept really getting doing it. So bottom line, a uh, long story short, those magazines had so much character, so much content, so much passion, so much heart and soul back then. Um, and I don't know if you've noticed, but the last 10 years, um, they've gotten very limp. I mean, it's, the content is kind of limp and, and everything's kind of, you know, sterile and commercialized and watered down. And so, um, me being the romantic Don Quixote, the, the nostalgic guy, I launched a magazine that sort of reminded me of those old issues in the 70s and 80s and 90s. And, you know, frankly, a lot of people just don't subscribe to magazines anymore. I mean, I could, you know, I've written, I think I last time I've written 289 magazine articles for all the major magazines, fly fishing magazines and, and, and other magazines, Outdoor Life and Field and Street. And even up until the last couple of years, I'd write a big article or get a picture on, on a cover or something. I, I, you know, have something like that. And I'd say to people, I'd say, did you see my article? And they're like, no, I don't subscribe to that magazine anymore. No, that magazine's really gone downhill so bad I don't even market it anymore. And I'm not naming any names because, I mean, it, it's just a, a general tendency across the board in the industry because the print costs so much money. And if, for these guys to make any money off print, uh, you've got to have tons of advertisement. You've got to keep content down to a minimum. You have to keep your pages down to a minimum. So magazines that were once 150, 180 pages are now 50, 60, 70 pages max. And 90% of the content is advertising. Um, so it's kind of disheartening. I said, I'm going to launch a magazine that's going to have a whole experience, in-depth, technical, artistic, science, history, art, lore, um, every art form of fly fishing, but totally focused on my three loves, trout, salmon, and steelhead, uh, and all over the world, my, my following all over the world is crazy right now. I mean, Europe and all over the place is really embracing hollowed waters in a big way. And um, so, yeah, it's, we've had three issues. Our fourth issue comes out this fall, uh, but... Uh, the reception has been over the moon. Um, I got a tremendous review in Trout Magazine by good guy, Kurt uh, Dieter, who's a wonderful man and passionate brown trout fisherman. And um, so, yeah, it's, been, it's really something I love to do. I really love to write. Some people write to get published and to be to book trips and to do things of that nature and be a celebrity. I do it because I just sincerely 
wake up every day and love to write 3,000 words. And that's why I blog. I started a podcast. I don't know if you've listened to it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I love to do. And uh, if you love what you're doing, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah, there you go. And so where did the name for the journal come from? You know, I, I just took something. Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big nostalgic guy. And to me, every river is sacred. Every river is hollowed. Every stream is precious. And um, my magazine is all about the fish and it's all about the water. And, and the fly fishing art form is just a, it's just sort of a means, you know. The end is the fish and the water and the beauty of it. And that's what I'm trying to capture. I'm trying to capture beautiful photography, uh, very, very in-depth prose and, and, and uh, you know, um, all, that, all that introspective analysis. Uh, not only the technical part of fly fishing, the beauty of the fly and the art form, uh, but everything else that goes with it. And, and even wild foraging for wild mushrooms and, and cooking and the other one of my passions. And uh, so, you know, um, I think uh, I think that if, if you love that spectrum of it and worship every fish and don't treat them like another ticker tape number. And um, I think you'll whether you're fishing a stream in downtown uh, Detroit or you're fishing a stream in in, in the Kola Peninsula off of the off of the Arctic Circle or in Iceland, um, you know, they're hollowed water because they have a trout in it. And if a trout is just swimming in it, it's a damn hollowed water. And I just published a blog about these poor Czech Republic brown trout are addicted to crystal methamphetamines. I don't know if you've seen it, but um, yeah. And these, these streams that, you know, the streams that run right through cities like the Bow River in Calgary, like a lot of these rivers that run right through Georgia. I mean, all the stuff that we're pumping into our, our daily refuse of, of uh, sanitation, disposal toilets, eventually get to the, the water. And they found out that, you know, that has influence on, on the way the fish swim, etc. So the bottom line is if we respect the water, if we respect the fish, we'll have longevity and fly fishing forever, I think. Yeah, very interesting. And, you know, kind of doing the research for this interview, you know, my understanding is that the Hallowed Waters Journal is rooted really in your relationships with your writing and fishing mentors. And you mentioned the relationship you developed with uh, with Nick Lyons, but who are some of the other folks that uh, mentored you with your writing or your fishing? Yeah, so I was really, really fortunate. And it was just like um, probably my uncle in Poland was my biggest um, when I lived on the farm. Uh, between the ages of eight and 11 years old um, in a farm off the Baltic Sea in Poland. And um, we had a beautiful trout stream that ran through it called the Vieksa River. And it was like a Spring Creek River style that had wild brown trout. Um, and then it had runs of sea uh, run browns and Atlantic salmon, which was kind of becoming endangered and extinct at that point because of the communist rule at that point. But um, he was a big mentor because he was a purist, I'd say, he was a game warden and he had uh, German and Czechoslovakian shotguns, which were like the creme de la creme at that time. Cause he did a lot of hunting. He had German short hairs, but he also had hardy bamboo rods and, and a hardy spay rod. And all his flies were hardy, wheatly, you know, right a cut out of that tradition. So the first patterns I really learned a lot were the iron blues and the pale wateries and the queen of waters and, and, you know, all those old traditional English patterns. So he was a big mentor to me because I lived uh, working on a farm. I lived to go fishing on the, on the river that ran through our farm. And then, um, when I, uh, geez, when I, when I, when I, uh, started to, uh, get into the hotel industry, um, I, uh, was living in Washington DC and I fished Pennsylvania every weekend geez, for probably 10 years, 11 years. And, um, uh, people that mentored me big time were, I ran to a guy named Vince Marinero who wrote in the Ring of the Rise and Dry Fly Code and uh, I met him one day on the retort. He was a really curmudgeon grumpy guy. He just hated me and hated everybody. Um, sounds like me some days, but um, I'm praying to not do that. And uh, by the way, you know, and, and he was just like, uh, he just really didn't want me around. But I thought, you know, the best way to get in somebody's, in somebody's pocket as they say, or in other ways, other way of putting it when men and women have a relationship. But, um, 
well, I don't know what to say. But anyways, bottom line is uh, I wanted to get in his, his pants, in his pockets, to be his little guy in his pocket. There's an there's old thing in the hotel industry, the man in the pocket. You always have to have a man in the pocket. And um, so I said, you know, he's got to have a weak spot. And so I found out he had a weak spot. He loves Italian wines. He's an Italian guy. He loves smoked salmon. And um, so I brought him some like three $400 bottle of wine and some Scottish smoked salmon from the hotel. And I, and I sort of like like baited him. I was baiting him. And he's like, wow, let's get that. I'm like, uh, it's all yours. If you could be nice to me and show me what you're doing. And um, so I sort of bought my mentorship with him because he didn't like anybody. And then he like invited me to his place and showed me his jackets and his bamboo rod make. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's like the nicest guy on the planet, you know, and then the poor guy died from cancer and it was kind of tough. But, and then Ed Shank, the, the great Ed Shank, uh, geez, I met him so many times at Yellow Breaches and the Allenberry and um, Bonnie Spring and uh, uh, Bonnie Book Road on the, on the report. And, got to know each other over the years. I fished with him in uh, Quebec for Atlantic salmon. And he's just the nicest guy on the planet. He did so many nice compliments to my selectivity book and my nexus book. And, uh, and, and Ed passed away just recently in the last couple of years. And uh, so, you know, those were big, big influences in my life. And then when I moved to um, Michigan, uh, when I did my last hotel stint, um, the guy that was fishing the river that I settled on was a famous guy named Carl Richards who wrote Selective, Selective Trout with uh, Wisher and Richards. And, um, and you know, we got to fish the river, but we got to fish the caddis hatches. He was in the book, in the process of writing uh, super caddis hatches and his other caddis uh, works. And we're inventing a lot of the ground zero caddis. And so I talk a lot about caddis in Howard Waters Magazine. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of fundamental groundwork, you know, stuff that was going on there. So with him and then, you know, I, I got to know Ernie Schwieber quite a bit. And then I found out that Carl Richards went to Ohio State and Ernie Schwieber went to Ohio State. And I went to Ohio State. And it was kind of kind of a cool, uh, you know, I shouldn't say that very loud because I'm in Michigan. So I got to watch my uh, watch my car windows uh, for saying stuff like that. But um, so, yeah, it, I had these great mentors. And then we had a summer home in the Catskills. So I got to meet Lee Wolf. And uh, I got to fish with Art Lee, who are my two Atlantic salmon gurus. Um, so, yeah, I mean, life is nothing but a journey of mentorship and being grateful for, for people that have showed you the way. I mean, that's a really special set of folks you've talked about. I mean, it's really kind of from, you know, that period in time, kind of the who's who and fly fishing. Do you think younger anglers have this similar type of mentorship opportunities today? Uh, I don't think so, uh, because basically their mentorship is YouTube and a lot of things where it's such a, such a technology driven, um, era that we live in. So their mentorship is that guy right on that big screen and, and that person like, and there's so many great YouTube guys out there, um, which is sort of similar mentorship, to be honest with you. I mean, they're going to watch, you know. Dave Jensen's YouTubes and Kelly Gallup's YouTubes and all these great YouTubes out there and Todd Moen and, and that's, that's just cool stuff. And I think it makes mentoring a lot easier. Um, it, there's not a personal relationship really there, but uh, mentoring comes in a lot of different forms and fashions and there's nothing wrong with that. It just, it just allows mentorship to be more broad range. Um, whereas in my situation, it was just running into them just because of geographical circumstance. And, but it's, I can't emphasize enough for a younger generation to read, 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 read as much as you can. There's so many great blogs out there today. There's so many great online publications. Um, reading is the heart and soul of the, of the art form. It's not really a sport. I think sometimes we, we treat our tri fly fishing is another one of these action sports. It's like mountain climbing or biking or let's just grab a fly rod and whack it around the air. I just watched, watched uh, Gordon Ramsay's Uncharted. Have you seen that yet, Martin, on um, National Geographic Wild? I have not yet. So it's a, it's a great series. I like Gordon Ramsay. I like cooking shows. And he came out this. He started when Ant I worshipped Anthony Bourdain, by the way. Anthony Bourdain was. I, I watched him every every episode probably ten times. He was crazy. He was cocky. He was aloof. Um, 
He was fun. Um, all his no reservations and um, all his stuff that he did was the creme de la creme. The poor guy, when he committed suicide, I was devastated. And I think Gordon found that niche and he took it to the next level and he's got incredible cinematography and, and he's now going to, like, I just watched Paul one. By the way, I just saw him last week, last Sunday. He was in Asheville, North Carolina. And he just did one. you got to go to National Geographic Wild and see uh, his episode that he did in North Carolina. My God, that was the most beautiful photography of these wild Smoky Mountain rivers that he was on. Uh, it was called the Great Smoky Mountains. And um, he, he met up with all these chefs. And he did foraging for wild mushrooms. He did crawfish fishing. He did trout fishing. I think probably looked like the Davidson River or somewhere. Um but so what he's doing, he's going into these wild places and he's cooking outside. And he did all this recorded over COVID. So because everything was done outside. So he, he did white water rafting. He did, you know, all kinds of snorkeling for, for crawfish. And it was just like really cool. But um, that kind of stuff inspired me. I don't even know what I was talking about here. What, what was I talking about? I got carried away here. Uh, we were talking about mentoring. Mentoring. Yeah, yeah. So. Here we go. So here's a guy like that, that, that has the ability. And he took what Anthony Bourdain, who was a great mentor, you know, uh, of so many people. And now he's taking it to the next level. And so, yeah, these are all mentors, but I, you know, to have personal mentorship is so rare today. And if you do find it, if you find it from your trout unlimited club, your federation club, your, your, um, fly fishing museum, whatever it take, take, grab onto it. And, and nurture it if you can for your young ones because it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, shifting gears a little bit to kind of talk a little bit more about the magazine. Tell us a little bit about the format for Hallowed Waters Journal. Yeah, so, you know, it's still a mom-and-pop magazine. You know, I, I, I edit and publish it. My wife is a design editor and lays it out, uh, Lori. She does a fantastic job. In one year, we've really taken that magazine up and knocked it up. And I think a lot of it's because I've had so much exposure to magazines over the years, um, being departmental editors and regional editors and things like that. But, um, so the format is basically, you know, my topic is trout, salmon, and steelhead, the passion in the journey. And we try to stick on a seasonal level. Um, the winter issue was packed with winter stuff. Um, but basically like four main features that touch on trout, salmon, steelhead, um, the, the spring issue was a 265 page mega issue because it was a spring summer issue and it, it was about mayflies. It was devotion to mayflies. Let's, let's face it. When we started fly fishing, it's about matching a fly that's on the water. You see a trout or a smallmouth or whatever, come up and grab your fly or bluegill. And that was the art form that started in 1490 with Dom Juliana and back to England. So, um, I try to say, you know, I try to have four big main features and, and Christ, we got a little carried away. You're not going to see as much content because I think I'd be dead if I had to do what I had to do for the spring issue. But, um, you know, some of our pieces were 25,000 words. So they were like a book in themselves. Uh, but I have four main major pieces trying to center on what's going to be happening for that season in, in, in both the trout and salmon world and the migratory world. And then I have 12 individual departmental columns from the rise form to Chasing Tourist Pheasant Tail Nymphing, which is about nymphing, and I do everything from Euro nymphing to traditional European nymphing um, to, to English nymphing. And then I have a streamer meat locker piece. I have an ecology piece about the science. I interview biologists and scientists. Um, I have an archival historian. I use, you know, museums and guys in the Catskills that research uh, old, you know, the, the foundation of American fly fishing. Uh, I have pieces on the art of the fly. I have pieces on arts and books. Uh, artists, I just featured, um, oh, what, A.D. Maddox in the last issue. She has a beautiful art gallery. She just opened up in, in Livingston, Montana. Um, and, you know, gear. I have the, the Fedora Flea Flicker gear section. I'm going to be doing a spay review. I just did a, a, a feature on Spinoza Rod Building Company, a bamboo rod building company out of New England. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's very diversified. And I have the Epicurean Forager, which is my culinary section, where I feature my uh, recipes in there. And uh, spring issue is the devotion to Atlantic salmon and some salmon issues. 
uh, recipes and, um, yeah, promoting sustainable, ox, um, smart aquaculture, smart, uh, eco-friendly, um, aquaculture. So yeah, we're trying to make a lot of statements and, um, it's nice because when you get the magazine, there's something in there for you. If you're just a dirty nymper or you're just a pure dry fly guy, or you're just a pure spay guy, or you're just a pure streamer meat guy, there's always going to be something in there for you. And, um, whereas a lot of other magazines, if you don't like these three or four destinations, then, you know, you're shit out of luck. And, um, so I'm trying to keep it your backyard focus because COVID said, Hey, let's just our backyard because we ain't going to be hopping on a plane anywhere soon. Um, so I'm trying to keep it backyard focused, but then I have a lot of, you know, European, South American, Canadian, a lot of Canadian influence. I did live in Canada for a while as a little boy. So I lived in United States, Canada and Poland before the time I was 12 years old. So I had a lot of international exposure before everything, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty cool gig. Uh, the podcast is going to be a hoot. Um, that we, I just recorded the first episode with Tommy Lynch, the famous mousing streamer guy and, uh, had a blast with that one. And I'm doing a, uh, a 10 part series called big brown trout hunters. And, um, Tom Rosenbar said he's going to do one with me, but he's going to do, we're going to be small brown trout hunters. So we're going to be older guys that like small brown trout, like eight to 10 inches. So it can be called big, big reward trout, uh, smaller packages or something like that, you know? So, uh, we're having fun. It's just about having fun and, spreading the passion and the joy. Got it. And where can folks find the podcast? Uh, they can find it at um, Spotify podcast. Just go to podcast.com, Hollywood Waters podcast. Um, and you'll see it. Just Google it. And um, and then I think it's all over the other, the guy who designed it for us um, has it spread out on the other things. But most people are listening to it on Spotify right now. It's on anchor.fm. So Hollywood Waters um it's found there. Yep. Yeah. And I'll drop a link to that. Yeah. Anchor is Spotify's, uh, podcasting, um, podcasting brand. And, you know, back to the magazine for a minute, I, you know, noticed that you have some advertising, but, but you really have a subscription based business model, correct? Yeah. And, uh, we're, we're modifying everything at this point. Cause we're going as we we're, we're learning as we play. And, um, so yeah, we're going with we're going into both frontiers, and we're also going to print also. So we are now in the process of converting to print at the same time, going through maybe Amazon or going through other venues. But um, the biggest thing is people like digital, but there's so many old school dudes, the old timers that really want paper in their hands, and um, and that's a huge segment of the market. Man, you go to fly fishing shows, you don't see. A lot of guys running out, running around in Olympic suits at these things. Um, there's a lot of old timer dudes, and these guys want print form. So I, my biggest problem is, I love your concept, but I ain't gonna read that crap because it's all on digital. Damn it! So I want something in my hands, like a polar bourbon at night, and sit and smoke my pipe. And I'm like, I hear you. The most thing you want to do is listen to people. And my goal, I'm a Swanson Foods. I want to get my Swanson TV dinner in every single household in the United States. So if you got a microwave, if you got a stove, if you have an oven, damn it, I'm gonna make sure you got a chance to get get my Swanson T V dinner in your house, which my Swanson T V dinner is Hollowed Waters Journal. If you're a fly fisherman, you should have it. And um, so yeah, we're gonna probably do some limited edition printing involved and there and some commemorative hard copies because technically if I go print a two hundred sixty four page magazine with 600 color images um that's a book man and uh so we're going to do a lot of that also so we're, we're in the process of doing everything well interesting and so how much is your uh your digital subscription a year just so folks have an idea yes yeah, 19.95 for four issues and um comes out quarterly comes out every three months and and seriously the length of these uh, the length of the magazine is probably going to take you three months to read it by the time you get to the to the next magazine. So it's it's you know I think the price value is there. Um, yeah, it's, we're not making we're not making any money at this point, but 
uh, we're having fun, and hopefully, we're gonna we're gonna take it to the next level where it will become a household name. Yeah, it's interesting too because you mentioned earlier that the last issue was. Uh, weighed in at a little bit over 260 pages and you know that that's not sustainable so what is going to be kind of the the size target for future issues of the journal yeah i think like you know 140 pages like you know i'm using the old fly fisherman model um as my standard uh because that's what they used to be in the old days and 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 ross at fly fishing does a phenomenal job he's still one of the super guys out there i mean he he does incredible work and fly fisherman is always dear to my soul, but I'm, I used to like American angler a lot by rod and reel. Uh, geez, Eastern fly fishing does a great job. Um, land salmon federation journal. There used to be a magazine called wild salmon and steelhead, which I've written for in the past, uh, fly fishing journals published out West. I mean, damn, there's so many, there were so many great magazines, but a lot of them are falling by the wayside these days. And, um, we're going to be adjusting as we go. The nice thing about digital form is I can insert videos in there, which are so cool. Uh, I could do real. So the beauty of three month publications and lifetime publications is that they're real time. And, and the problem with a lot of books today is they're, you know, you, you contract, you sign a contract, two years later, you submit a draft and two to four years later, you get your first run. And then you, by the time books are published today, something takes six, seven years to publish. And they're old news, man, because slide patterns are changing every day. Um, uh, the uh, constant ecology is changing every day. Rivers are changing every day. The fish evolution is changing every day. We are in such a drastic mode of ecological evolutionary change at a rapid pace with climate change. Everything's going to change a lot from year to year, from, excuse me, from month to month, week to week. So the nice thing about being contemporary and being up to speed all the time and publishing book quality information is you have the ability to, to put something out in three months, you know, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And I mean, and I think that's the great benefit of digital, right? I mean, it's this phenomenal delivery system if you have the right stuff to deliver. Exactly. And you know, what else is really cool is, is the ability to blog and podcast to support the, 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 the institution. So the institution is Holland Waters Journal the Hollowed Waters podcast and my Ebb and Flow Hollowed Waters blog, which I'm doing at least two or three a week. And they're pretty substantial blogs. If you read them, they're storytelling with some seriously cool fly patterns and some serious deep uh, tactical info in those. Um, if you put all three together, it's a full-time job. And at this point, I'm probably making three cents an hour. I could, I could be making a shitload more money, you know, flipping burgers at, 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 at Burger King. But, um, it's the passion and the love and, and I do a few trips every week and um, it's, it's finding that, that complete picture uh, because if I had to sit by a computer all day, like I did for the spring issue, I thought I was going to lose my mind. And you know, that, that, that therapist of mine kept calling me back and saying, you're not done with your therapy yet. Um, so got a couple more treatments. So uh, it was getting crazy, but um, yeah, it's really important to get out. And I think a lot of, publishers and editors don't spend enough time outside. And uh, so with, with the guiding that I do for my select clients um, and the ability to do this, I think it's a nice retirement job that now that I hit the hollowed, hollowed waters, uh, I'm going down that hollowed river uh, in my uh, early, early mid sixties. It's, it's a lot of, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice gift to have. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I remember, you know, the first time I fished with you, probably about six or seven years ago, you were cranking 200 days plus on the water. Yeah, that was insanity. And, uh, it doesn't give you any substance to your, to your mental state. And, uh, so, but you know, you were just with me a couple of weeks ago. My mental state has not changed very much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're probably writing a whole blog on that one or a book at that point. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's, you know, it's, it's called, uh, refining things and, 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 uh, that's where I'm at the refinement stage at this point. Yeah. And so, you know, beginning of July, I know you started working on the fall issue and, you know, when do you expect it to come out and kind of, do you have a rough idea of what people should expect to see? Yeah. So we're going to look at, um, like October 15th is our normal fall issue time and it's going to be a bay and fall trout issue. So, I do a lot of spay fishing, a lot of swinging flies for salmon and steelhead. Uh, so we have a lot of that in there. 
Um, we're also going to be doing some fall trout, fall autumn hatches. Um, uh, you know, just across the board, basically migratory fish. So people, all trout fishermen become salmon and steelhead fishermen. It just seems to be that way. And they all have this addiction for it. So if you cast a fly for trout, you're usually probably going to cast a fly for a salmon or steelhead. So everybody's thought turns of, you know, Lake Erie, steelhead, Lake Ontario, British Columbia, Washington State. Hopefully it'll cool off by then, those poor guys. Got just destroyed this summer. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be about that. Plus, you know, fall is a great time to trout fish. It's one of my favorite times. Uh, bluing olive patches and fall status patches and midges. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be, I'm going to try to keep, as, you know, other magazines do, they try to keep their content seasonal. I'm going to try to keep it seasonal, but just with one extra step uh, and go the extra mile into really getting down and dirty, skinny, and, and seasonal, and technical, and uh, trying to do touch on concepts most people haven't touched on. Yeah, and so it sounds like you spend about three months putting together each issue, and then all the readers spend three months reading that issue while you're making the next one. And I know it's you and Lori, but tell folks a little bit about kind of the process of you know how the sausage is made. How the sausage is made. Yeah, uh, which you know, yeah. Well, in terms of like, you know, you're the copy editor. Lori does the layout. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's sausage. I thought you meant. I thought you meant my smoke sausage. No, uh, not no. That. I, I'm never going to tell anybody how I make my smoke sausage because that's a, a family secret. Uh, yeah. So I I start writing, laying out the magazine. I start writing the the content, the, the core of the magazine of the article, and then I I I ask I humbly ask these great people that their expertise in that area to contribute their thoughts on that concept. Um, and I try to synthesize all that together with the fly patterns and the destination concepts that, that these articles entail. And then I have featured writers in each of the columns that feature their art form, their craft. And then Lori, as we go along, starts to lay it out um, and put the photography together. And then, um, you know, then we edit, then we do multiple editing, and then we do layout design. And then uh, at the end, we add fly patterns to fly plates to the articles. And then we uh, shit our pants and panic and wet the bed and uh, wait for the 15th to get it out. And then we uh, just collapse. And, and uh, it's, 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 very, it's a very harrowing experience. Let's put it this way. But, um, we managed to pull it off and the reception has been through the roof. So I couldn't be happier. Yeah. And I think you're, you're using what flip snack is the platform you're using to deliver the digital issues. Yeah. Flip snack has been, I mean, it's really user friendly um, to a certain degree. Some people hate it. Some people love it. Uh, we don't know what we're going to do for season two. Uh, we're still looking at a couple other different options. We might do it ourselves. We, we don't know yet. This is all so new to us. I mean, I look at all these great, online publications like Covey Ron and all these, these guys have been around for 12 years, 14 years. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the new kid on the block, man. We, I'm, I'm, I'm still walking around in diapers and wetting the bed, man. I don't even know what the heck's going on here. Uh, so we, we pulled off a pretty glitzy and pretty cred magazine in, in less than a year. I'm still shocked. I'm still ready to, for the walls to come tumbling down. But, um, yeah, it, 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 what I think shows in the magazine is the enthusiasm and passion that the people that put it together have for it, including all the special people that have been so kind to contribute. And my passion ain't going away anywhere nearly soon. So um, you could just see the magazines that are just laboring to try to get content out and, and the books that are laboring to get content out. And then you can see the ones that there's, there, 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 there's Jesus flowing through that magazine, brother, and you better love it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Is there, uh, is there any other writing or guiding news you want to share with, uh, with our listeners before I let you hop this evening? Uh, no, that's, you know, I think if you really want to get a feel for, for the magazine, uh, go to Hollowed Waters, go to the Ebb and Flow blog and learn a lot about that there. Um, and then, you know, I think then the podcasts are going to be a hoot. The first one I did with Tommy was so much fun. Um, and it's, I'm going to try to get personalities that are just going to keep you hopping and skipping the whole time. And we're, we're not, we're not politically correct at all. We're going to 
say all kinds of crazy stuff. And, you know, unfiltered is, is when you really let it have, let it out. And, uh, that's, that's when the creativity comes out when you're unfiltered and, and unplugged and unfiltered. And so it's, yeah, we're going to have a good time, but, um, it's about serious fishing. It's about, you know, we, we take it, we take it to the extreme level and that's what we're, where our goal is. Got it. And, you know, for the podcast, you're going to do, you know, you're going to regularly put out series, but they're going to be maybe a little bit lumpy in kind of how they come out. Yeah. So we're going to do, you know, we're going to do series, but then in between, I just did a podcast about Hemingway, you know, about Ernest Hemingway, who spent so much time in Northern Michigan with a cool guy up in Northern Michigan that, uh, researched a lot about them and things of that nature and you know so yeah we're gonna have little and have a you know different alerts you know i'm gonna have interview guys in iceland and russia and all my favorite places that i like to go and we're, it's, it's gonna be all over the map um it's gonna be pretty cool and i've you know probably have a couple chefs on it um and uh that like to fly fish so uh celebrity chefs you know people that i've guided um yeah it's gonna be mixed up and there's always gonna be something new and exciting so we're uh, not enough hours. Not enough hours in the day, brother. It's just uh, it's constant. Yeah, and I'll drop show notes to the journal and the podcast. That'd be great. And also, it's really important uh, for all my readers and um, to share the information as much as you can. So, blogs and podcasts are only as good as people reading them and listening to them. And uh, I do a lot on social media: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, please share them as much as you got. Retweet them because. Uh, you know, everything today is Google search engine. I'm a, I'm an old white Polish dude trying to figure out this whole Google gig. And there's dudes that have went to school and gotten degrees in this stuff. So uh, I'm driving an old beat up uh, a v, uh, Volkswagen uh, bus at this point, And uh, I need to get up to Lamborghini speed. So share, 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 and keep sharing. Yeah. And to talk about uh, old school, you know, you, you have quite a few uh, books and, uh, you know, I think the ones that jump out of me are Steelhead Dreams. And I know that's been published in a couple of editions and then Nexus and Selectivity. You know, where's a good place for folks to track down your, your old school writing? Uh, you know, Amazon. I mean, uh, Amazon and eBay is places to go. Amazon Amazon is the book market today. Um, it just is what it is. I mean, publishers rely 99% on Amazon today. And uh, Amazon's going to take over the world, I think, at this point. So we're all... <laughs> We're all going to be wearing Amazon on our foreheads pretty soon. But, um, yeah, I mean, fly shops uh, don't like to carry books because it takes up, you know, takes up space. I talked, I talked to Tom Rosenbach. Tom Rosenbach said they, corporate stores won't even share all stock his books because it takes up space. You know, it's about space marketing. And uh, books take up space. People don't want to carry books because nobody reads them, according to, you know, a lot of people. So Amazon always has them. eBay, I, I saw, how oh, I saw you had dreams go for like twelve hundred or eighteen hundred dollars the other day on eBay because it's out of print. So there's there's still there's still places where you can get really good books, eBay and there's so many really great used book dealerships online. So you could find a lot of really good deals. I shop those used book uh, stores online and there's so many great things you can find on there. So now's the time to buy books. Like now's the time not to buy a new car because there aren't no new cars. Everything's used today, but now is the time to buy books because you could find so many great, you know, first edition collective trouts and in the ring of the rise and stuff. So go back and, but there's just, just read, spend more time reading. You'll be, you'll be so much a better fly fisherman. Yep. And I've got links to all of your uh, books that are uh, still in circulation uh, in the show notes and on the website. And I'll link to those two for you. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Ah, and, uh, you know, before I let you go, you know, you have a lodge and an outfitting business. Do you want to tell folks about how to learn more about Gray Drake Lodge and Outfitters? Yeah. So just go to graydrake.com. Uh, we're in the process of revamping our website because I put so much attention into my books and the, and the magazine. And now the, the lone pony is in my website. It's, it's like, you know, if you want to see um, the, the Smithsonian Institute uh, of websites, you just go to graydrake.com and you might see um, Darwin pop up over there because it's kind of anticipated, but it still has tons of information and it, it's where you go. So we're going to, we're going to revamp it and make it more simpler because you could spend days on my, on my, on my uh, website. But yeah, it, I mean, it covers everything we do. Trout, salmon, steelhead, Atlantic salmon, Pacific salmon, fall steelhead, summer steelhead, winter steelhead, um, little tiny streams, big tail waters. We do trips to destinations. Um, 
I, I'm going to start my Nexus tours next year, hopefully, if there's no more COVID outbreaks. And, um, you know, I did one to Iceland last summer just before COVID, and I was going to do one at Tierra del Fuego, and I was going to do one to Quebec, and I was going to do one to, to Russia, but they all got derailed. And uh, so, yeah, we're going we're gonna to still do it and um, keep having fun. Yeah, there you go. And if folks could only pick one digital destination to follow your adventures, where should they go? So Hollowed Waters is on Instagram and Hollowed Waters is on Facebook also. And Hollowed Waters is on Twitter. So if you go to all three, um, you can get my blog, you can get all the video stuff and things I do there. But yeah, I, you know, I post, when I post on one, I usually post on all because some people like one more than the other. Um, and, um, yeah, I was out this morning on that little creek I took you to, by the way, and it was crazy this morning. I mean, it was there was a trichle hatch from hell. We just had tons of rain, and uh, every pool had – it was like – it was gaga. I mean, there were 14, 15 inches rising that I haven't seen in, in, in weeks on that creek. So you should have been here this morning, Marvin. Yeah, with my floating Rapala, right? You're, with your floating Rapala. I didn't see any floating repositories today. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Well, <laughs> well, listen, Matt, I appreciate you taking some time to chat with me and re-recording this. Um, as I mentioned to you before, it's like out of 350 pieces of content, the the first time we did this, for some reason, um, we sounded like we were talking to each other in the uh, the last uh, flight scene in Star Wars before they blew up the Death Star. Well, it's cursed because, you know, our lodge, by the way, is built on an ancient Indian burial ground. Did you know that? I we did not did. know that. Yeah, so when we when we built it, we had this college students show up here one day, and um, they said, hey, do you mind if I dig around your backyard? I go, what do you mean? What are, you, are you looking for dead bodies or something? And um, he says, no, I, you know, I have these old maps, these old um, these old Hopewell Indians and, and Chippewa Indian, Iroquois Indian, and... Um, I have maps where like all these burial grounds are along the Muskegon river and in your backyard, in this area, on this road, you could see these mounds that were set up by the geographical region. And he started digging at the end of our driveway and there were, we've seen these big humps there. We didn't know what they were. They looked like, like underground, you know, like, uh, I don't know what you call them, uh, catacombs or something. But they were just like perfectly shaped. And then he said, Oh yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of burials in there. He said, there's a lot, a lot of graves in there and I found hatchets and I found all kinds of relics and so yeah so we're we got an Indian bear around here so maybe we're cursed yeah. let's hope not <laughs> well there you go well listen Matt I really appreciate it thanks again and I hope uh, you continue to have productive trico hatches this summer wonderful thanks Marvin great talking to you and uh, thank you so much take care well folks I hope you enjoyed that as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you Again, if you like the podcast, please tell a friend and please subscribe and leave us a rating and review in the podcatcher of your choice. And don't forget to head on over to www.nor-vice.com to check out all the great Norvice products. Tight lines, everybody. 